I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. I cannot say anything without giving any spoilers away. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? This is one of the hardest mornings, <laughs> Monday mornings, to talk about anything that's just happened. Uh, I feel like I can't make, just... can't make any pop culture references at all right now. I think that was the most emotional feeling, like so many emotions over the course of movies, over just TV. I feel like I've watched a TV screen so much the past 48 hours <laughs> from, from the movies and with Avengers to NBA playoffs to Game of Thrones last night. Um, it was just so many emotions, so many. It, it's it's crazy. That is an all time incredible TV movie weekend, I think. Yeah, and what's crazy about them is when you look at it from a grand scale, this macro scale of how, why do they mean so much? Yeah, because it's just lasted over years in both series. Well, series, I guess you want to call it Marvel. You know, like Marvel, like some of these dudes uh, were these characters in these movies that we've seen since high school. Uh, for some of us, uh, and really the past 10, 11 years. And then, you know, Game of Thrones has been going on for years on years. And it's just, it's crazy that both of these two big staples in entertainment are, are coming to a, a close a little bit um, around the same time. And it's just, it's crazy. It's wild. Um, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, and you haven't seen all the movies before that. I highly recommend watching all the movies first and then waiting to watch Avengers Endgame. It is so much better having watched all the movies before that. But anyway, and then Game yeah, of Thrones. Because you gotta, Game of Thrones, yeah. same thing because you won't have any idea what's going on. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, the, what makes Avengers so um, special it, for me, it was, I think it was the most, it literally is the movie with the most famous actors that I've ever seen i mean there's probably legit 30 to 40 yeah what's that what's that uh expendables with like chuck norris no, and like it doubles that you know yeah it's like that but in a, a much more current and uh because they have to touch on so many different movies yeah and bring so many people back from these movies to like refilm some of these scenes and and all it, these all these people have to carry their own movies too in their own way yes. like paul rudd has to carry a movie and like chris hemsworth has to carry his movie and all that stuff and you just see people, random people from random movie, like r- random movies that make their appearances, and you're just like, "Holy crap! Like, what is going? Like, you're you're back. You're these are big ac- actors, and I mean players that just, I mean p- players, people that just make like cameos or brief appearances, like Robert Redford or um, Michelle like random, Pfeiffer. Yes, like these people that play different characters, different movie. It was just wild that." So many people went. And so if you haven't seen some of these past movies, you'd be like, oh, who cares? 
kind of like Game of Thrones when you see certain reunions that happen in Game of Thrones. If you haven't been invested into the show, you're like, oh, who cares? They just saw somebody. Yeah. What? Uh, this is boring. No, there's a lot to that. So that that's it. I don't know. A part of movies and entertainment, and even sports in general, when you just invest in these things, you makes you forget about life and everything around you, and uh, you kind of get sucked into that moment, and it brings out a lot of feelings, and it, it's weird sometimes. So many feels, all the feelings. So we love stuff like that. We love these, you know, big arcing stories, and we feel like the NBA is like that in general. We feel like the NBA is just this huge arcing story, and there's all these different callbacks of things, and like when Damian Lillard hit that shot and he waves. You don't really understand the true power of, of that moment if you don't understand the true context of it. And so that's that's one thing that we are really passionate about is bringing context to a lot of different things. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're kind of new to you know, Locked On Mavericks, we over-explain things sometimes. We'll go back and we'll explain something that a normal Mavs fan or a very diehard Mavs fan would like, oh, I've heard that a, a thousand times. I've heard about the Giannis Mavs draft thing a thousand times. Well, it means a lot more. If you understand the backstory, and there's a lot of people that are just getting to the Mavericks now, and uh, and so that's that's one reason why we do that. And I think this weekend with these, the you know the Avengers and Game of Thrones kind of reminded me of that. That giving the full context for something makes things so much better. And so that's one thing that we're passionate about is bringing that to the Mavericks, is bringing the full context, you know, for what the Mavericks are doing. And so today on the podcast, what we're going to get to, what we're going to talk about today is we're just going to talk about the playoffs. We're going to talk about. Uh, the series we've been watching, the first round is completely over. We've already started a couple of the um, you know, second round series. And we're going to look at what the playoffs mean and what players have been have mattered in the playoffs and what players have completely not mattered in the playoffs. And look at that with the lens of the Mavs building a team this summer. Because the Mavs are going to start relatively with, with a clean slate in a lot of different spots. And so they have their two massive pieces, obviously, in, in Luka and Porzingis. And then they have a couple role players still signed on under contract, but then they could really wipe the Isaac. They could really wipe the slate clean and just have a ton of of spots to fill on this roster. Yeah, I mean, now that you you went out and got Kristaps Porzingis to pair with Luka Doncic, you now got to figure out what pieces go with them, and that is the million dollar question of how the system, the the fit. And everything with that. So yeah, with you know, outside of Tim Hardaway, for the most part, uh, you're gonna have some money here to just uh, try to figure out what pieces fit next. But you already accomplished what a lot of teams can't accomplish, and we've talked about this on this pod over the past like year: finding the second star. You see these teams like some of these some, the, some of these teams in the playoffs don't even have one. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the talking point I want us to talk about today. And or we can go into it right now if you want. Go ahead. Do you want to? Okay. So the cool thing about having Luca Doncic and before Luca, go to life before Luca. Let's say you, we didn't get Luca and you, we had Wendell Carter Jr. or Mo Bamba or something like that, and we had them and Dennis and you know somebody else, and we're sitting here watching the playoffs, <laughs> and we're saying, "Well, who's our guy? Like, who's our dame?" Who's our Kevin Durant? Who's our Kyrie Irving? Who's our, like, you fill in the blank? Who's our James Harden? Who, who is that guy? Because you look at all these teams, everybody has their guy. 
Like ever, this is the playoffs are where the the A listers, the stars, come to play. This is where the boys become men. Like the everything's on the table, and these guys get the ball in their hands and they win basketball games. Kawhi Leonard, you, uh, Joel Embiid, like all these all, all of these teams that are fighting for the like the championship here. You got to have your guy that's going to take the shots. And for us, before Luca. And we, I don't want to like jump ahead of us and say, oh, Luca's on the same level as Durant or something like that. But we can see, we if you look far enough, if you squint hard enough, you can see Luca taking these shots. You can see Luca having these moments when the playoffs come and that this is our guy moving forward. And before Luca got here, man, it would be kind of depressing watching these playoffs. But for me, I don't know about some of these listeners. I'm getting a little more excited about the Mavs when I'm seeing the Dame shot. I'm seeing Kawhi go off. I'm seeing some of these guys because I really think it's going to be a matter of time until Luka Doncic is having his playoff moments like that. Yeah, and it might not be next year. It might be the year after that. He this is going to be his second year coming up, and I know there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Mavericks to make the playoffs right now. But they're they're going. It's going to be. There's still probably going to be some team building processes in it. And so let's take a quick break, and when we come back. Let's talk about some of those processes, talk about what these teams have done right, some players haven't really worked in the playoffs so far, and then what the Mavericks can do this summer. All right, Isaac, so you were talking about without Luka Doncic, like what this what this Mavericks team would be, and before Luka Doncic, the, the path for the Mavericks would have been a, a Brooklyn Nets, or what the Indiana Pacers were without Victor Oladipo, or the Clippers. You just have to get as many competent guys as you can, have a good coach, and just kind of uh, all fit together and have incredible chemistry. I mean, you can still do that in the NBA and make the playoffs. I mean, I guess the Magic still the Magic are a team that did that. The you know the Pacers did that. The the I guess you can count the Pistons you <laughs> know in, in a way <laughs> they're in the East, but the Clippers did it out West, and you could definitely do that. The Utah Jazz, I feel like to an extent, did that where they all their pieces kind of meshed together to be better than uh them individually because but but even them had they even they had all-stars though like even like detroit blake griffin yeah they didn't but gobert and mitchell are what top 25 players oh i don't know if mitchell's top 25 well okay well like and if if you're gonna throw mitchell in there then you have to throw lou williams in there too and say well then everybody's got a guy i would say mitchell's Mm. moving forward like having that guy because like pre-Luka Doncic you're looking at like we love Harrison Barnes as a guy but like like even comparing Harrison Barnes to D'Angelo Russell like D'Angelo Russell was an all-star this past year Harrison Barnes probably wasn't ever going to be an all-star for the Dallas Mavericks so like you're trying to then you're looking at Dennis or Wendell Carter or and hey guys hate to break it to you Wendell's not Al Horford so just watch Al Horford today, and then, uh, um, good Lord, Al Horford. Me- remember that comp? <laughs> I mean, he, Al Horford wasn't Al Horford when he first got in the league either. I mean, there, there's definitely room for him to grow. And what is he? I mean, he was 19 this year, so yeah, he could end, still, he could end I, up I being that. I, I don't. I'm gonna hold out hope that he could eventually be a player like that. But I never liked that comp because I thought it undersold who Al Horford was. I, well, a lot of these comps are like, oh, he's like Michael Jordan. Oh, he's like Dirk. He's like, you know, they, they take it to the, uh, we do it too, but we take it to the next level because it's players that are most recognizable. You know, even when people say, yeah. oh, Luca is like James Harden, you know, <laughs> obviously he's not James Harden, but you take it to that level because of the style of their play and what they could be if they hit their, you know, hit their ceiling. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, but what are some things that you look across the league and you're like, okay, 
these things worked, and I feel like the Mavericks can really capitalize on these things that have worked for these teams. Yeah, I think, well, when you, you look at Luka, and you, that's just where you got to start from a Mavs perspective, obviously. And how does the Mavs stack up against some of these playoff teams? Or how how could you envision Dallas playing in these playoffs and seeing how these other teams are playing and what could they do? What could they learn from some of these other teams? Or how could they build a team? Like, is there a team in the playoffs? And this, uh, th- this would be a question for you too. Is there a team in the playoffs that you would look at and say, all right, I think that that's who they could try to model off of. Luca and Porzingis. Because obviously it was just Luca. Then you have then you have a bunch of different routes you could try to take. But now you factor in Porzingis. And is there any other team? Like I saw somebody try to mention the Blazers. Well, the Blazers don't have a big like Porzingis. And like they have McCollum and Dame, you know, and Dame but what could is there a team out there that kind of could resemble what Dallas and for me I lean towards the Boston Celtics because in trying to envision could and I know like Horford does a bunch of different things but trying to envision a Luca Porzingis as a Kyrie Horford type of thing and it made me think about it today when I saw Kyrie and Horford doing these pick and rolls and ton against Milwaukee because uh Luca and Kristaps in, in the playoffs this pick and pop and and them running this pick and pop pick and roll game man that's gonna be nice to watch but that's the type of team because i think around them then you gotta surround yourself with a ton of six seven six eight six nine guys because you gotta have bodies to throw at james harden at kevin durant and all these guys you you gotta have them and you gotta have these little guards too that can they can guard and be, be be pesky and you gotta have the patrick beverly types i feel like you gotta have yeah and I think I think we're seeing. I know it's after one game, but I think we're really seeing Milwaukee miss, you know, Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, because that that that's a uh, not just a body, but a really good player that they can throw at Kyrie Irving, and he's out. I really hope they miss him next year too. Uh, I hope they do too. I hope he's in that <laughs> Mavericks blue, um, not the not the city blue jersey, but the Mavs. But you're you're starting to see these. You're starting to see these teams. Uh, some of them not even start like a center. <laughs> you come into the come into game one. Who did the the Golden State Warriors start today? Started Draymond Green at center. And that, oh my gosh, man! It's Dr- oh, Draymond looks so freaking good. Right and that's now. Kind, that's kind of an outlier. But unless you are a multi skilled, really good big mm-hmm. man like Jokic, Jokic can stay in all these games. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mention Jokic while ago when I was mentioning everybody having their star guys. Jokic is right there. I mean, how many of these these teams that are left? Have a guy that is a top twelve. Okay, I think the better yet is to say, look at the top twelve players in the league and say how many of them are not in the playoffs right now. Paul George and Anthony Davis, LeBron. Outside, is he top twelve? Oh my kidding. gosh, you, I was just the, kidding. The just slander kidding. must just stop. kid. Kevin Durant's the best player in the world, though. That, that, that I'm not. No, LeBron's not that anymore. Sorry, King. Well, um, but I, I don't those, care so much about that argument. Those three players out of the top 15, because I was looking at them like, man, how many, are there any other guys that's, you know, in the top 15 players in the league that are, are not, yeah, Maybe. I mean, yeah, he's, I, on I the, mentioned, he's on the edge of that. I mentioned, you know, Paul George, so wherever you want to put Westbrook in that, Towns. but the fact is every one of these players, every one of these teams have their guy that they say, go get me a bucket and that that's just where like you see with you like oh Draymond man like Draymond's past two games 
he is look when you when you get this Draymond that he looked like he was I mean two years ago Draymond and the fact that like I was texting with my Houston buddies and I was saying man uh if they're gonna get this Draymond this is scary uh now he obviously got another technical to that you know tech today and all this different <laughs> stuff but and Kerr said it after the game he said man these past two games for Draymond have been remarkable he does everything right and that's the type of guy that you like every team would die I mean text and all emotions and everything out of the way his skill and what he can do his versatility is what every team is dying to have right now yes. dying to have in any literally in any position too if you could get a guy like that in any position you know like maybe even a Marcus Smart or or Patrick Beverly I feel like those those three yeah, guys yeah Pat Beverly is like the guard version of Drake right right if you could get a guy like that in any in any size <laughs> you you play him and he can play in the playoffs and also you're seeing these teams just need shooting so bad. I mean, the San Antonio Spurs just got completely thrown out of the game because they could not shoot. I mean, DeMar DeRozan just couldn't shoot. LaMarcus Aldridge, just his shooting just completely – his shooting and then his decision-making at the very end of that game where he, where he didn't foul, complete. I mean, even after the game, he was like, I have no excuse. I just completely forgot. And I've been there with things, you know. <laughs> you ever just what like if he's, completely he's blanked like, on wanna... something and forgot? But, man, uh, teams like that just completely and, – and, Indiana, Indiana just couldn't hit a shot, and that's they yeah. just completely got blown out of the series because they just couldn't hit shots. And guys are getting benched because they couldn't get shots. There's a couple of guys that, uh, even guys that can shoot that have different deficiencies, got completely played out of the series. Um, Will, I, I, Will Barton, think, I, Will Barton couldn't hit shots, and he was like, you know, he got moved to the bench and was almost. People were talking about, well, he's out of the series because he just couldn't shoot. And if you have to just have as many shooters, as many possibilities as possible. And I think you're going to see that kind of reflected uh, come draft time, too. I think you're going to see somebody like Tyler Hero from Kentucky who can shoot the lights out, can't guard worth nothing. Uh, <laughs> but I think you might see him get some like lottery type of look because he can shoot the lights out. Yeah. I think if you did a redraft right now, Kevin Herter is going to be a lot higher than what he got drafted yeah. by Atlanta. And because... this is It's being magnified more than ever right now that you got to have shooting. And and on top of that, you got to have guys that can, that bodies, like I was saying before, like Houston against Golden State today, you know, PJ Tucker, they're, they're just, you know, doubling or putting the minutes with Kevin Durant, matching them up and saying, when, Hey, when KD goes out, PJ goes out and just bringing it. I love PJ Tucker and, and I love watching him play. But once PJ Tucker gets in foul trouble, they're putting Daniel house on him. They're put. They're bringing Amon Shumpert in. They're bringing in. You know, Gerald Green got in a little bit there in the game. Like you gotta have these bodies. So where if you're filling out a roster and somebody's looking at it and saying, "Well, man, we, why do we have like three or four? We have three or four or six, seven wings already. Why don't we need another one? Yes, bring them on. We need another one. Yes, <laughs> you can never have enough of these guys. So I've seen some matches like, all right, well, we gotta decide. Do we want Finney Smith or Justin Jackson? I mean, come on. They're kind of redundant. No, you need them both. You need bodies. Okay? You need the, you know, six. You need, like, if you let one of them go, then you do bring another six, seven guy in. You don't have to choose. So, uh, <laughs> you need these type of bodies to throw at these other wings in a league. You just got to have them. Uh, I saw Sam Vecini tweet earlier today. Uh, based off of some of the names I've heard so far, getting into both the NBA Draft Combine and G League Draft Combine, it would seem to me that teams are really prioritizing shooting in this cycle. Lots of interesting selections. And it's just that the NBA is just going towards that. If you can't shoot, you're not going to be able to play. And that's uh, that's some of the big decisions the Mavericks are going to have to make. 
are going to be based off that. Let's let's look at some of these specific names though, because I'm sure people are just dying to hear some of these names. Just like, okay, say the guy, say the guy that I want the Mavericks to to add in free agency. Say his name. Just say. Don't you feel like everybody's saying that? Uh, the idea of bringing in a guy like Kemba Walker. What do you think this playoffs has taught you, taught us about? You know, the idea of Kemba Walker on the Mavericks because I feel like coming out of these playoffs so far. I'm more for it than I was before. I mean, you if you can have an offense that's as good as what the offense would be like with Kemba and Luka and Porzingis, go for it. Because all these teams that are still in were really, really good offenses. All the really good defensive teams, like the elite ones that don't have these guys that can hit shots, don't have multiple guys that can hit shots like this, are out. So, okay, here's my thing with the Kemba thing. We, we've talked about it a lot, and even looking at the playoffs – so what are some guys, look at some guys left in the playoffs, some scoring point guards. You look at Steph Curry, Murray. you look at Kyrie, you look at Kyrie Irving, but look at Steph in particular, like, because you know, the moment you, th- you trot out Kemba Walker in a playoff series, they're going to target him on the defensive end. Just like I texted somebody today. I, I made, I was telling somebody the other day, Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. And they were arguing that James Harden is. And so I texted that person today and said after they literally targeted James Harden on de- on defense three times at the end of the fourth quarter in crunch time and De- Kevin Durant just posting up Harden, they wanted that matchup. I'm like, you're not the best player in the world if you're getting targeted on defense. And they texted back and said, all right, you talking about Steph Curry? I never once thought Steph Curry was the best player in the world. LeBron held that title for a decade until yeah. Durant just took it. You got to have both sides of that. And so you look at Golden State and you say, all right, you see teams target Steph Curry. Teams would target Kimball Walker. Why does it still work? It works because they have Klay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, and Kevin Durant, which are in Draymond Green, Draymond. which are four heck of defenders. Okay. Your Draymond Green's a defensive player of the year. Klay Thompson's one of the most underrated defensive players that I think is in the league because he takes these matchups a lot. Andre Iguodala is literally in the starting lineup to guard James Harden. So. <laughs> Like that, so if you get Kimba, my, that's my thing. You gotta, you, I mean, if you go get Kimba, you better be going out and getting two. Like you already got Luca, which is gonna be another defensive mm, worry, we'll say. And so then you got Porzingis, you know, hold his ground and stuff. But then those other two spots, you better be going out and getting freaking Scottie Pippen for both of them. Yeah, and Porzingis is gonna be, he's not gonna be a liability, but playing him at the four is going to be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. how he defends certain fours because you have teams i mean kevin durant is playing four <laughs> yeah i mean at that point then you just have to you have to protect these guys in a sense like you're saying all right let's take a break when we come back let's throw out a couple more of these names and and talk about what they mean um for the mavericks going forward all right Isaac, a couple more names um al horford as a player option can we just oh. can we just pour one out for the idea of al horford joining the map i mean give him give this man all the money i Honestly, <laughs> anybody that, that comes at me and says, ah, I don't want Al Horford. Oh, uh, no. Uh, if you don't want Al Horford, then you didn't watch uh, him play the, you know, the Celtics today. And here's another thing. I've seen a lot of, I see a lot of Mavs fans um, throw around age a lot for some of these targets. And even, I saw somebody even tweet out today about Brogdon's age and how he's older than you thought. And, um, just any of these free agent names connected or people want to talk about Matt like, Oh, well, you know, he's 28 or, you know, e- even somebody like Horford and stuff. Okay. At some point you got to get these guys. Like you can't like, do we, do you want to win now? Or do you want to win five years from now? Because I think the Mavericks want to win now. Like I want to be in the playoffs next year. So you got to get some, you got to get some veteran people on there. And even like, 
we've talked about this. Even if worse comes to worse, and you give a 28 year old a max contract in four years, that you know, Lucas still, I mean, barely getting his driver's license. So, <laughs> like you, like the idea, or Al Horford's age does not bother me at all. So, like you go out and get Al Horford if you can, because him and Porzingis in the front court would be absolutely amazing. And that's what you're saying. Like them playing Milwaukee, man, like Giannis, we talk like the help around Giannis surrounding him with shooters, Eric Bledsoe. Oh, for four today on three. I think, I think he only made like one, one shot today. He had, I tweeted out he had six points like at the end of the, or near the end of the fourth, I guess he finished with six probably. Um, this is this is where you see the course correction of the the Magic Johnson summer league rant, like when he made that got crazy speech about how I watched all the playoffs and all the teams with playmakers were moving on and teams with shooting didn't. You got to have a mix of guys. You have to have multi talented guys to make it to make it far in the playoffs. Obviously, the Mavericks aren't going to be able to answer all those questions this summer, but you need guys that are also going to take some playmaking off. But the good thing for the Mavericks is they have two guys already that can do that. I mean, Kristaps Porzingis is going to yeah. be able to ISO a little bit. He's going to be able to post some guys up. He's going to be able to do the Dirk, you know, turn around fade away. He's going to be able to do a lot of those things. And Luka, obviously. But uh, you can't have these just one-dimensional shooters or guys that kind of clam up, like Chris Middleton kind of just clammed up and didn't really, you know, jump out to the moment. Eric Bledsoe, kind of the same thing. And then the rest of the guys around Giannis were like Brooke Lopez, uh, Miritich, Ilyasova, who like they make good plays, but they're not guys you can give the ball to and they they get you a shot when it's not working for Giannis or it's not working for Bledsoe. Yeah, and you know we don't you don't want to overreact with the whole like there will be a course <laughs> correction. I, I feel like this this series is going to go longer than people think. Yeah, yeah, I I think it will too. I I still I pick Boston to win this series. I still believe that. Um, but when you look at these stars that we I mentioned at the very beginning. Of these, you know, the stars of these teams across the league is playing in playoffs right now, and a lot of them have their weaknesses. You know, you go with James Harden and his defense, and even Kyrie and his defense, or Dame and his defense. Then you look at like Ben Simmons and Giannis, and they can't shoot and stuff. Okay, what would you say Luka Doncic's biggest weakness is? Probably at this point, his defense. Free throw shooting. <laughs> Free throw shooting. If there's Sometimes weakness, that's what it felt like during the season. If there's a if there's a weakness that I want, uh, if I had to choose, it would be defense, <laughs> um, because it, I'm not taking any way anything away from Giannis. Giannis is the MVP of the league in my opinion, but you see when the when it's the playoffs, it's a little bit different, and when you can't create your own shot off the dribble, as far as you can't do a step back, you can't just coming and I, I I get it he hit three threes today and a couple of them were like like that one was right in Horford's face and yeah. I was like shocked when when he hit it but that's that's the thing of when you look at if you're a Mavs fan you look at you got we got Luka Doncic you're like all right I know that my guy can hit those shots I know that I can give the ball to my guy and he and the crazy thing is he not only can he hit it he's already did it like this year he's already had <laughs> these crazy end of game moments and yes. stuff and it's not the same stage as the playoffs but that's the difference that you look at. It's like, man, Luka can already shoot from the outside. Something that Ben can't do is something that Giannis can't do. And there's a lot of things Giannis can't do that Luka can't do. I get that. But uh, if you see what I'm saying, did that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. You have Giannis who's, who's semi, semi-one-dimensional. semi I mean, I made, I made a video for Free Dawkins this season that you know Giannis is the most dominant player because he has his one thing that he does. He gets into the, he gets into the post. He can finish in the post. He can finish... 
in transition. There's obviously a bunch of other things he can do, but he, he can dribble and score over people. That's kind of the thing that he's been doing all season, and he's done it better than – I'm. in my video, I kind of broke it down, and sometimes he did it better than Shaq did it. <laughs> That's wild yeah. to think about. And but you have to be multifaceted, and you have to be able to to do to get those step backs, to, to hit a jumper, to hit, you know, to stretch the floor, to do all these different things. And when a team like the Celtics come in, they're well coached and come in, and with a guy like Al Horford, say, "Well, take away your one thing," and then all of a sudden you kind of your team kind of falls apart because you relied on that one thing so much. Then all of a sudden you, you have more questions than you came in, and you're the best team in the. NBA, you come in with all these huge, massive questions now. I Again, I think this is going to course correct. I think Giannis will be able to come back, and they'll make it a long series. I, I, I'm still, I still think that Milwaukee pulls it out, to be honest. But uh, what do you think about um, some of these other guys are obvious, but like Vucevic. I mean, we, we talked about him before, but I'm just completely out on him now. I mean, <laughs> the series he had, plus what I'm seeing with some of these teams, with guys getting played out, and man just out I, I don't want any kind of contract for him i mean i think everybody has a price i don't want to say i'm like completely out on it we we have been very vocal on this podcast that we we never really understood it neither one of us uh we never understood the fan hype uh to uh get him to dallas now now listen if he called up and said hey i'll sign there for 10 million sign me up um i've been saying that from a perspective of uh thinking he's gonna get 18 20 22 something like that and uh i just don't think that would be the best move for the mavericks and you saw him get kind of exposed a little bit in that that first round and um i just just going back to how donnie approached the center position back last summer and just his thoughts on the bullpen thing we've talked about on the pod and now that you got porzingis that's you know, they want him to play the four, but you know he's going to play some spot minutes at the five. Just go out and spend, you know, get another guy, you know, one other dude, an Ed Davis type. And I would just, I would prefer them throw at a little money at a guy like that and rotate that center spot with an Ed Davis, Maxi, and, you know, somebody Dwight Powell or something like that. Rotate that and then go spend your money on wings. Like, go, go, go get wings. Go get Pat Beverly. Um, go get these guys that can help defend because, like Tim Hardaway said, when I, when I joked around, when I asked him at his exit interview about how you fit with Porzingis and Luca. And he, and he joked, and he started laughing and said, well, I know I'm not going to get the ball very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Porzingis and Luca are going to get the shots. So we need guys to do the dirty work and, uh, and shoot, you know, be able to shoot and stuff too. But it, I think some of, these, uh, some of these teams, it shows a key, it shows such a big point of being able to find these diamonds in the rough type of guys. And you want Dorian to be that guy. I feel like we've been working on it. The team has been working on him for a while to be one of those guys. But you look at somebody like, I joked around about Daniel House, but Daniel House has been huge for Houston. Like he he's played really well and he can hit the outside shot. And finding these guys like that, find Denver, finding somebody like Malik Beasley, like finding these guys that whether they're second round or undrafted, and I mean Daniel House is playing big time minutes for the Rockets yeah. in the first round. I mean, or in the first game of the series with the Warriors, something they've counted down to forever. So it's so important that when you're going to spend your money elsewhere, to find these type of guys that can that can play. And I trust the Mavericks can do that, but they got to be able to shoot, and that's where you got to figure out can Dorian shoot at a consistent rate or not moving forward. Yeah, and when we're talking about some of these big name guys, these guys are going to take big money, longer contracts. You want to make it count, right? You only get one or two shots at this throughout maybe Lucas, 
you know, career. One or two shots at getting getting guys like this that can be long term fits next to him. You can trade them away, obviously, and do something like that, and you know, move them around. But you only get a couple shots at this, and so you want to make them count. You want to make them the right picks. And so that's why we look at a guy like Vucevic, and I'm saying, well, if he's going to get a four year max, or if he's going to get that 18 to 20 million, like you said, I'm out on it because I just don't think that's the fit. I, I think that that team could you know win potentially like 50 games in a season and then you get to the the playoffs and Vucci gets played out of it or you know just you you have all these big problems what do you think about Tobias Harris because he's a guy that has actually been linked to the Mavericks and uh that's kind of a a a real rumor to 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 a degree um he's an unrestricted free agent and the Sixers are gonna have to be making some decisions and if this series continues the way that game one went for them they're gonna be making some decisions some massive decisions this summer I actually want to spend a bigger pot on Tobias Harris at some point, or at least a bigger conversation on. Yeah, it and we'll, we'll, we're still going to do free agent profiles and all that stuff in the summer, everybody, just to to let you know. Because I don't think um, he's getting talked enough uh, enough as far as the Mavericks go and, and fans talking about it. And I say that because we all assume, and we haven't uh, talked a ton about it either because you assume if, if Philly's going to make that trade and give up what they did for him, that, you know, you assume that they're going to max him out or pay him a ton of money. And, but when you look at him and you say, man, like he would fit in Dallas really well. And I seen, I think it was Shams. I, I guess Shams talked about it on uh, the athletic or stadium or whatever Shams is at right now. Um, but, the thing that's intriguing about Tobias is he gives you the secondary. You know, well, you got Porzingis. He gives you another score, uh, but man, he could shoot the lights out from three point line. Uh, this past season, he shot. Um, I'm looking at his uh, three point percentage. This past season, he was like forty percent. Yeah, well, for the Clippers, yeah, before he went to uh, Philly, he was shooting forty three percent from three uh, before before the trade, and, and he shot thirty two uh, since. Th- you know, since he uh, got traded to Philadelphia, but, um, yeah, it's a, that's a bigger conversation I want to have because if Philly didn't, uh, or does not max him out, then I think that Tobias should be a guy that they should go after to an extent. Uh, I think the question is, would you hand him the max? And I might go as far as saying this, if you had to max, if you had to max one between Tobias and Kimball Walker, I think I would say Tobias Harris. I think I would too. I think I think I would. Yeah, you'd still kind of have some of your defensive problems, but you can get some you can get some defender type guys to fill in around them. Yeah, I think one of your bigger questions would be is it, you know could if you compare him to Harrison Barnes as far as what position can he play? Because if you start Porzingis at the four, that means Tobias is going to be your three, and then yeah, but Luka, you're two then. <laughs> He also has one. has the ability to where you play if you play KP at the you know the spot five minutes that you could also play him at those spot four minutes also. So um, I would be a fan of Tobias. The fact that he can shoot the lights out from three it, it's huge, and, and he's twenty six years old. I just looked at it. He, yeah. He's twenty six year old years old. So even if you hand him a four year max, uh, that takes him to thirty years old. And what does a uh, a trio of Porzingis, Luca, and Tobias uh, look like. I don't know, but if you surround them with the right people, that could be uh, that could be a dangerous. Especially if you get Toby, you got to get Bobby. <laughs> it's a package deal. They just come together at this point. 
<laughs> he's getting played out of the playoffs, though. <laughs> I, I really he is getting play, played out of the playoffs. Uh, I, I know you didn't mention this guy, and we've we've talked about it. We've threw the name out there. A lot of people are throwing the name out there. But um, Pat Beverly needs to be a Maverick. I mean, I, he needs to be a Dallas Maverick. Absolutely. I just hope that he didn't earn too much money this summer. I mean, for him, I hope he did. But just for the Mavericks' point of view, I mean, he was so valuable in that that series. He would be perfect next to Luca. He would bring the the hustle, the grit, the everything. Uh, he would be able to take these point guard assignments and just give them heck. Um, I think he would just give Porzingis and Luca a different type of energy, a different type of just, um, I don't know how, how to word that, but he, uh, yeah, I am all in on Pat Beverly uh, being a Dallas Maverick. And I think I would hand him a little bit more money than what some people uh, would also. Yeah. But then, so then if you do that, then you're kind of going, Patrick Beverly, and then you can't you can't get your Tobias Harris's or your Kemba's or anything like that. I mean, you're really yeah. Well, I think it, the question is like, yeah, do you want to spend money on uh, the age old question a lot of people talking about? Do you want to spend all your money on one guy, or do you want to take thirty million and spread it out over three guys that could make like ten million? Like, if you're telling me Pat Beverly at ten million dollars, would you do it? I would. Yeah, because then, cause then we've mentioned some of these other guys you can get, like Al Farouk Reggie Bullock, Danny Green. I mean, you can start filling in yeah, this team. So like, you, can still do, you can still do really well with, with a, a core of Luca and Porzingis as your only two main guys. I mean, you can fill like in. That's, that's, that's why I get frustrated with some of these fans. They're like, no, we need another like alpha dog stuff. No, if you're really believers in Luca and Porzingis, those are your stars. Like those, those are the stars. Those are the guys that yeah. want you want taking all the shots and that should be scoring over twenty a game. Like those are your two guys. So then you got you got to find the other pieces. So yeah, are you? I would be thrilled if they went out this offseason and said, hey, we're gonna spend ten on Pat Beverly. We're gonna spend ten on Danny Green. We're gonna spend. We're gonna split up a, a, a little bit more money and you know a little bit of money and say, hey, here's a couple million to Ed Davis and here's a couple million to somebody else. Sign me up for that any day of the week. Because we want KP and Luca being our main guys. Yes. Now, obviously, if they get Kevin Durant or something, you sign up and say, oh, "We'll figure it out, Reddit." Like that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I'm okay yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of different scenarios that it could be wins. And you see, just watch everybody. Don't pay attention so much to the regular season. Watch. Look how much basketball changes in the postseason. I love watching the difference of that and seeing. It's just—it's almost like a completely different style of basketball. Of what can, what has to be played, how players get played out, and like the type of players you gotta have to succeed. And man, if they're from a Mavericks fan watching these playoffs, I've never been more thankful for Luka Doncic because I think he will excel in the playoffs. Absolutely, it's it's awesome. It's uh, this summer it's not all star or bust. The Mavericks already have two guys, so we're just gonna keep saying that because it keeps remaining to be true. So. Guys, there you go. That's um, that's what we've learned so far from the playoffs and looking at the Mavs' future. We're going to start draft profiles this week. I think tomorrow we're starting with Zion. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. We're going to uh, go ahead and get Zion out of the way. Uh, a full pot on Zion. If Mavericks win the draft lottery, uh, just how he fits with the team, just everything moving forward, whether they should try to trade the pick, all, everything about Zion and Dallas – uh, we'll talk about yeah the, the the possibility of it so we're gonna start doing those we're gonna smatter them in we're kind of sprinkle them in uh, and still do some playoff stuff as well so it's not we're not just solely shifting to draft stuff from, from here on out but wanted to get some of these in before the lottery before it might not matter so all right guys thanks so much for listening to the lockdown maps we'll be back tomorrow peace out boom